out there in internet land. This is the Culture Lust Podcast, the show where we take a random movie off Netflix and hope it doesn't suck. I'm your host, Chris, joined as always with my brother from a same mother, Scott. Hey, what's up? What's up, guys? And our brother from another mother, James. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Today, we are reviewing and discussing the 1994 film Wes Craven's New Nightmare. It's nearing the 10th anniversary of the film A A Nightmare on Elm Street, and one of the stars, Heather Langenkamp, is being scared by a voice on a phone sounding very similar to the film's villain, Freddy Krueger. When Heather's husband is killed in a car accident and is discovered with slash marks on him, Heather starts to wonder something, especially when she discovers that Wes Craven is writing another nightmare with him. Soon, she realizes that Freddy has now entered the real world, and the only way to defeat him is to become Nancy Thompson once again. Now, as we talked about last week, I have already seen this movie numerous times, and it does rank up there on my list of favorite horror movies of all time. Going into it, Scott and James, have you guys had any previous experience with the movie? Have you seen any trailers or TV spots, or have you seen it before? What were your, what, what prior knowledge of the film did you have coming in? You go ahead so, and start, Scott. Yeah, I got it. So, I, uh, I've never heard of this movie, this particular movie, at all. The first one, the original one, was the only, really the only Nightmare on Elm Street that I've ever watched. And when I watched it as a kid, it scared the ever-loving ever bejesus out of me. And I didn't, uh, I didn't really want to watch another one again. Even, like, growing up, I just, I just lost interest in any of that stuff. Um, but, but, you know, I, it, I mean, it's, it's Freddy Krueger, you know? It's, it's common knowledge. I, I played, uh... I don't know if you guys remember the original Nintendo game. Maybe yeah, I might be dating myself, but that game was super difficult. And, you know, I played that, so I was immersed into the whole Freddy Krueger thing, um, just not in, in an indirect way. I just wasn't directly, directly uh, immersed into it. But as far as this movie is concerned, no, I had no idea that it even existed. So I'm the same way. I grew up watching the, the- series i think the last one i i remember like actually knowing that was in the series was like the fourth one um it's like the dream master i think is what it was called or something like that so i've seen one through four and then i did remember seeing this one when it first came out now i don't really remember the storyline for it. it's i remember bits and pieces like certain scenes like i remember the the husband getting killed in the in the truck while he's driving i remember that one and then I remember like the the climax of the movie with the you know like the uh, I, w- I don't want to say dungeon I guess it was a dungeon type scene. Those are the only two scenes I could remember from the movie from seeing it. Phew, I don't even know like 13 years ago I think when it very first came out. Way back in Nam. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely been a while. So I was yeah I was uh, you know excited but skeptical because you know you guys know me and not being a fan of horror films. So one of the big things about this movie, as opposed to all the other entrants in the Nightmare on Elm Street series, was this was the one movie that didn't have opening credits. 
and they did that on purpose. What was your guys' first impressions as you were starting to watch this movie, as it was beginning and it was going through all of it? So what I always thought uh, would be interesting is if we had films that didn't have intro credits. If I ever broke into the world, that's what I'd want to do. So when I saw this playing out on screen, I was like, all right, this is cool, you know? Because, like, I knew the movie had already started because, you know, you push play on Netflix and the damn thing starts. So I wasn't lost. I could see being in the movie theater or something like that or watching it on TV where it might throw you off. But I appreciated it. And, um, you know, I was coming in here open-minded and excited. And so I was just kind of waiting to see what was going to happen. Now, I didn't read the synopsis too much going into it. So (laughs) I was actually trying to figure out where in the story this fell. I couldn't remember if Freddy was real and these were, you know, the actual survivors or if they'd made a movie series from the survivors or Freddy was fake to begin with and they just made movies. Obviously, I figured it out. but yeah, I was a little lost at first, and I think that's just my fault for not really remembering too much of the Freddy series and also not paying too much attention to the synopsis of this movie. Well, right. You're not a psychopathic fanboy like I am, so why would you know <laughs> all the little intricacies and, right. and weird little stuff that nobody in their right mind should possibly know about this movie series, this film series? Yeah, because yeah. I initially thought that she was a survivor, and then she went and made movies about her experience, and I was like, damn, that's hardcore. Like, you survived okay. this murderous dream rampage, and then you're <laughs> going to go make a bunch of money off of it? <laughs> you know, I actually can see that. Looking at it from that point of view, I could see that that being your initial impression. So, Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. See, one of the things that I liked the most about this movie was the fact that it intentionally blurred the lines between fiction and reality. Yeah, that's one of the one of the, one of my notes was uh, uh, it, it's like the fourth wall break the bre- breaking the fourth wall the movie that's that's what it it exactly. seemed like exactly. even though I think I don't know the actual definition of a fourth wall but you know it's I know it's where you address the fans yeah people look at like, you look yeah, at the camera watching. And, but they didn't actually do that. I just felt that way. So that was part of the reason why I didn't like this movie very much. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. I, I really didn't like it because they were trying to – it was too – it went too, too much of a cheesy route, you know, that way. But um, I think I'm getting ahead of us. Uh, the original – when I first started watching the movie, uh, I was like, man, I, I, don't, I don't read the, the synopsis. I listen to it, but I don't read it. So, I, and I don't read about the movies that we watch ahead of time because I I'm like to be surprised. Way. Yeah, I like to be surprised. Yeah, yeah, me too. I like to go in blind. Yeah, so I wasn't aware of of the when the movie was filmed, and immediately I was like, "This looks like an episode of 90210. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, it did well, with the it was it the same did time come frame. Out in 1994. So. No, yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying it's you know. It, I'm not mocking it. I'm just saying it's that's what it reminded me of, and right, I right, immediately right. grabbed my phone and I looked and I was like, oh okay, you know, 1994. Yeah, like I'm surprised. You know, there's nobody. The, the women, all the women in this movie, don't have huge bangs, and wearing overalls <laughs> and stuff, shoulder um, pads and shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's just uh, you know how you can recognize like the 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 era of a of a film. By just how it looks, like you look at the, a, a seventy, course. a film from the seventies. Yeah, it's got kind of that washed out color. Yeah, and it's it just had a it had an air of of early nineties. 
So that that piqued my interest right away because I mean that's I mean that was my heyday. That was when I could yeah, throw exactly. a football over those mountains, you know. And I was when... uh, all downhill after 1997. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I was like, man, I, I, I it actually interested me. Uh, the as far as the the, the credits and stuff, uh, I don't usually pay attention to that, honestly. And just like James says, you know, we watch this these on Netflix, and Netflix will start playing the movie as soon as you hit it. Uh, at least on my TV. So I always have a bunch of crap on the screen anyway when the movie starts, so I, just, I don't really actually pay attention. Right, uh, right, right, right. But now that you mention it, I mean, that's pretty – that is pretty cool because I know uh, during that time frame, almost, you know, the movies didn't do that. You had to sit there and watch – Yeah, you had to sit there and watch three minutes of a bunch of credits, and, you know, nobody, nobody cares, right? We're like, dude, let's get to right, the entertainment. Right. So, so with with this movie one of the main things that that I liked about it like the biggest like uh, like props you know commendations I can give this movie was exactly that the fact that it it's so blatantly attempted to blur the lines between fiction and reality like Heather Langenkamp played Nancy Thompson in the original Nightmare on Elm Street right she plays Heather Langenkamp Here's the thing. Her real-life husband is a special effects guy. He actually turned down an offer to star in this movie as himself. Mm. She was, at one point, after Nightmare on Elm Street, she had been uh, terrorized by a stalker that kept calling her. They got her home phone number and kept calling her and sending her stuff through the mail. That was something that Wes Craven, with permission from her, used within this movie. Oh, wow. I had no idea. In 1994, she actually – or, well, 93, 94, when this movie was being, was, was being filmed, she was a fairly new mother. So bringing the kid into it and having the focus on her, her son, you know, Dylan, was a major, major part of her, like, real life. Uh, you'll notice Wes Craven plays himself. Uh, yeah, horribly and, so. By the way, yeah, yeah, he wasn't yeah. great. He wasn't terrible. That's not the worst. No, he was bad. Like, I, it, I, no, no, no. I didn't <laughs> nah, say he, he was, was good. I said he wasn't the worst playing himself I've ever seen. But yeah, he uh, was overdone. Yeah. But, but what I do mean, you expect? Little kids that play themselves in elementary school plays are probably a little bit worse. So. <laughs> All right, that, that was horrible. That. Yeah, that was horrible. I, but here's uh, one look, of the things. You well, you brought it up. You brought it up. We have to address just Wes Craven thing right now. I think. Of course, of course. Yeah, so if I'm a legendary movie writer, right, a, a movie writer, producer, I know that I can't freaking, you know, act. Why? I, I'm kind of curious, like, did, did he, did he like, weigh that in his head? Like, you know, all this stuff is all reality-based, you know, for this movie. Is it worth me going on screen and shitting it up like, I, like he did but here's to, the thing. to maintain that continuity? But here's the thing, and and I'm not trying to say you're wrong because yeah yeah Wes Craven's parts were way overdone and yeah yeah he was bad he was bad. But pretty much everyone that you see in this movie that's behind the scenes of the movie within the movie that's being made is an actual person playing themselves. Okay. You know the guy with the curly hair that that uh, Heather goes to talk to the like executive at New Line. Yeah, that's Robert Shea. That's the original 
original producer of the of Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, okay. So the yeah, so that, he did. It sounds he probably did weigh it out. Then. Yeah, yeah. The lady that greets him at the or that greets her at the very beginning is is Marion Madalena, I think is her name. Again, she was one of the partners of the of producers of New Line. She's like one of like the main. She was Wes Craven's producing party for like or producing partner for like years and years and years. So there, these are all people that, yeah, they were all executives and producers and writers and people behind the original Nightmare on Elm Street movie. So okay. my, yeah, my my two cents on that whole thing is, uh, you know, I like to, uh, I guess you could say psychoanalyze things and kind of look at right. intentions behind and reasonings for things. Um, all, all from like the fictional level as well as what was the writer director thinking and this and that. Um, not just the character standpoint. So looking at Wes Craven's pedigree, I guess you could say, you know, he starts in 72 and through the seventies, he's doing a little bit of stuff, but the eighties were his, his glory days, man, 81, all the way through 89, he was churning out stuff, making a ton of money. And then he starts this TV series called Freddy's Nightmares, which doesn't really, I mean, 44 episodes. That's, that's more than any TV series I've ever made. Yeah. But that was during a time when TV series would get like a two seasons to Right. So what I'm saying is he's peaking here. He's at his height of his success, his success. Right. And then after that, he's kind of stagnant for a little bit. And then 92, and then 92, he has another TV series come out, which only gets six episodes. (laughs) Yeah. Nightmare Cafe. Cafe, Right. Oh my God. And then, and then 1994, what's, what's he do? Uh, well, I just failed this last project. Where are my heydays? I'm not done yet. No, you guys can't count me out. So check this out. Here's a new nightmare. And why is it the new nightmare? Because I'm going to do something completely different that no one's ever done. I'm going to have the actors play themselves. I'm going to have all the staff and cast and producers play themselves. And I just felt like he was going for this really weird, like groundbreaking niche, you know, because that's kind of what he's been in the horror industry is like coming out with these new concepts and these new style of movies that, were revered pretty well, you know, and I think that he just want he just went one innovation too far with his execution, because I hated this movie so much. <laughs> well, this is the kind of movie that has the the concept, you know, it, conceptually, you're either gonna love it or you're gonna. Hate it. I don't I don't know if you can't have a middle ground. Yeah, I'm, I I don't know I I'm middle ground I think. Uh, Are I you really? To, yeah, that might, might be our middle ground. Wow, I might have to challenge That's that surprising. idea. Once we get to that part. Right, 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 right. Um, so, well, it, let's at least start positive. So, I already discussed okay. a handful of the things that I really did like about this movie. And I could go on and on and on, mm-hmm. but I don't think you guys really want to listen to me. So, were there anything, any any aspects of this movie, either specific points or, or overarching concepts that you guys did like about the movie? So let me go first, Scott, because I'll be really quick. I got two things. (laughs) My whole thing is, like, I hated this. So there wasn't much that I liked about it, right? That's fair. That's fair. First one, and I can always appreciate throwbacks and Easter eggs and stuff like that. You know, like Shakespeare in Love, I was talking all about the little nuances that were alluding to Shakespeare's work, right? And that's the thing is, as a fan of Nightmare on Elm Street, I could do that with this movie. Right. And there's my favorite one that I picked up on, and I'm sure there's many more that I didn't notice, 
but the uh, when when um, Heather goes into the hospital to the restricted access point, and the nurse is like, "Excuse me, Miss, you can't be in here. Do you have a pass?" She says, "Screw your pass." And that's that's from the first movie when she's like in the hall, right? Isn't she? She she, she so flees from class and like the yes. hall monitor. Hey, yes, where's your pass? Exactly. Screw your pass. Like, I got uh-huh. that. I was like, aha, that's uh-huh. good. I like that. And then the second thing that I liked, and it's pretty small, but it's all I could like hey, from the film was matter. um yeah. was Rex. I liked the stuffed dinosaur. Yeah. I uh, <laughs> I like I liked that whole little you know, story thing, and I wish they would have expanded more on it. Interesting note, Miko Hughes. The, yeah, the he kid, kept it. He kept it. He still yeah. has the original Rex that actually has the, the slash marks that are stitched up. Yeah, see, and I wish they would have expanded because he's he's like, oh, Rex protects me. Rex keeps him down there. Rex right. Rex took the, the, the slash for me. Like, expand on that, man. How does this stuffed doll, like, saving you from a murderous psychopath in your nightmare? Like, yeah, I wish I, they would have explored that more. Completely agree, because I, I was anticipating that that was going to be part of the story, you know, that Rex mm-hmm. was going to come in at some point and, and physically block something that we could see. But, yeah, yeah. it just kind of dropped and went nowhere. Right, right, right. But yeah, that's that's all I got, man. That's pretty much gave all me, I like out of this movie. Gave, gave me dinosaur blue balls. Right? <laughs> what the? Uh, so, so what about you, Scott? Do you have any ups that you could mention about this movie? Yeah, so I I really enjoy the way that Wes Craven, from my very very limited experience, uh, not let me not say Wes Craven, the, this movie. Uh, I, I like the way that it portrays. Some of the scenes were done pretty well. Like the uh, the scene where she has to jump into the coffin to grab Dylan, uh, that the long hallways of, uh, you know, like the inside of the coffin lining the the, the hallway, that kind of stuff, and uh, that kind of stuff is like nightmare fuel. You know, I was I remember watching the last part when they're about to push Freddy into the oven, like Hansel and Gretel, right. and uh, the the stairs were like quicksand. You know, I was like, oh yeah. my gosh. Those Which, are so. Those are things that are like that. I've you know had nightmares about like you know your feet are exactly. stuck, you can't run, you know. You can't so punch like when you do punch, it's like you're hitting with yeah. pillows and shit. Yeah, you know? yeah, see, for sure. Exactly. That's, that's actually one of the things is one of the the points that they made in that movie is Wes Craven in the movie uses a, his own nightmares to fuel his writing. That's actually true. Right. He right, so did. I think they, I think he did. They did a really good job with that. There was, uh, there was, there were a few of his other ones. You know, the people walking on the walls. You know, things that break kind of uh, nor- the phys- the norms of physics. Uh, right, th- those right. things are creepy, right? So I think they did that really well, and I like the I like the homages, like like James James mentioned. You know, all the references back to the original mm-hmm. film, and and much like the the Shakespeare film, I. I recognize a couple, but I'm sure not nearly as many as you did. Jeff. Right, right, right. Mm. Well, but that I mean, actually really brings... that's 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 really it, though, as far as right. what I enjoyed. But that was enough. That was enough for me to say that I didn't hate this film. I didn't. I didn't completely enjoy it either, though. Well, listening to you guys has made me realize one that's actually actually a pretty big negative to this film. In order to really get everything out of this movie that it has to offer, you kind of have to be a really big fan of Nightmare on Elm Street and horror as as a whole. I'm, yeah, I'm I, sure I mean, that 
That's the demographic that definitely exactly, seeks this movie exactly. out. And 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 that's that's kind of a negative, if if you ask me. And that's that's something that I didn't see honestly straight up. I did not notice until listening to you two talk about it, is I realized. As a huge fan of this series and horror and Wes Craven in general, I got everything. That's why I love this movie. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have all that prior knowledge, you know, like I have every Nightmare on Elm Street. I own it. So I've seen them all. I, I get all the homages. I get all the, the little in jokes and references and all that. So right. it's very much fan service for me. But as a standalone movie on its own merits, it's kind of weak because it pretty much it, – its tent poles are pretty much those that were set up by A Nightmare on Elm Street back in, what, 1982, I think, was when the original – you know, it's it's, all, it, it's a foundation set. Yeah, it's – okay, right. Thank you. It's a foundation set in 1984. Mm-hmm. So I kind of get where you're coming from, both of you guys. And and that I think is a really big negative on the film. It can so, be, but I I have an alibi too for uh, another up. Um, uh, I, it just came to me when Res- when uh, Heather was talking to Wes Craven at his house. They were talking about how the the demon or whatever the hell that Freddy is is a manifestation of uh, a bunch of people's stories and stuff, and how how he goes away. When the story becomes, you know, X, Y, or Z, and he did yeah. mention he mentioned watered down, right, as one of yep. the one of the ways yep. that the story uh, a story can come to life, like it like it did. And as soon as I said that, it, I immediately thought of what you said last week, Chris, when we were talking about we were going to watch this movie about how, uh, you know, the the movies in between this and his his first version were all kind of progressively more and more goofy and more and more campy exactly and, right and I, I agree with scott I, I i did think about that when they were having that dialogue um that that was a not so subtle jab at right the previous movies it's it's well documented that wes craven did not like or agree with the direction that the nightmare on elm street series took right um the problem though the and, you know, I might be jumping a little ahead with things that we didn't like. And I got a long list of those. Start now. Go for it. Well, no, I just since it. we're talking about this specific scene, I'll just I'll speak on it. Um, okay. I hate – so, you know, and I've mentioned this before. It's kind of a pet peeve of mine is, like, if you're, if you're going to be inconsistency with, say, the canon of a character or a premise or whatever in a movie, um, you know, they're talking about how Freddy's this ancient, evil, demonic source of, you know, evilness. <laughs> And yeah. he's coming alive through the stories and stuff. And I'm like, so he's an ancient evil entity, yet Wes Craven is setting the rules for him in 1994. That really upset me. Because if I'm like, if he's an ancient demonic force, he's not going to fucking bend to your will and your rule set that you have, you know, 2,000 years later, dude. Like, <laughs> I just pictured you saying that ancient evil of evilness, like... <laughs> with your pinky in your corner of your mouth, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's an ancient evil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and yeah. but yeah, you're right. No. You're right. I agree. Yeah, you make a very good point for sure. For sure. Yeah, and I just, like I said, I felt like that was just Wes Craven <laughs> trying to be too damn innovative, and instead of just leaving it as this myth slash legend that became literally nightmare fuel, 
he tried to add a whole extra level of, you know, evilness and consequence to it. Like, oh, this has been around long before our time, but I'm making all the rules for it as we go. <laughs> so, so I got to yeah. ask, what did you guys think? And we'll go in turn, you know, James and Scott. Um, what did you guys think of the script being used as a tool to push forward the story? I hated it. There's only that one it. movie that's ever done Terrible. that that I enjoyed. And what movie was that? Stranger Than Fiction with Will Ferrell. Oh yeah, that that was actually that was a good one. That was a yeah, good one. it's the only time yeah. I've ever seen that that executed properly. That, that was terrible. When I said that, you know, I got the feeling that it was a breaking the fourth wall. The movie, it was solidified when she was in hell or wherever that was, and she started reading that, and it was oh exactly oh, this, this, this movie the oh, god fourth wall. Oh god! It was like a it was like an open door. Because if I'm Heather Langenkamp and I survive all this, I'm not friends with Wes Craven anymore. <laughs> like, right? 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 It's... Like, you wrote all that shit? You put me in that down? And he, he could come back with, well, hey, I made it so you live in the end. Yeah, fuck you, dude. Like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. My husband's dead. My babysitter's dead. Like, exactly. Is... Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I do have to say, before we move on from the positive of this movie, I did – there were a couple of quotes, lines in this movie that I really did enjoy mm-hmm. that I thought were really effective and really poignant. Uh, the first one, when Dylan climbs up to the top of the playground scaffold thing mm-hmm. and falls off, and he says, God wouldn't take me. Coming on the heels of the conversation where – Heather is trying to explain her husband, his father's, you know, Dylan's father's death to him, that he's with God, he's in heaven now and all that. I thought that was an incredibly powerful scene. Like, I thought that was really, really good. Yeah, it shows, like, how this kid's grieving and his perception of it, his level of understanding since he is such a small child, you know. Yeah, I agree with that. It was, it was, it was okay. It felt a little campy, but I see where you're going with it. And I, I appreciated it from your point of view. Yeah, it, you're right. It did feel campy, but I think it felt campy because they were having. She was having a conversation with what's his name, the uh, the guy that played what John. Yeah, the guy that played her dad. He's yeah, the guy that played her dad. They were having a conversation, and it's it was having like it was doing this kind of upbeat thing, you know. And she's like, "Yeah, okay, I can feel better about this." I think that really took away from the the scene that you're talking about chris because it was right it was like i it's like i felt that they were intentionally doing that in order to make it more of a poignant moment and if i can see that if i can tell you're doing that it's not working does that make sense right no, yeah, it does. That, it does yeah. Make sense. it's like she i get what you're saying scott she was trying to reframe it so that she could be you know find the silver lining and be positive and try and move on and not be so focused on everything and the movie's just kind of like, nah, lady, you're going to have a yeah. terrible life, and this is why. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and it was yeah. so obvious. You know, I don't know. It's it's looking, you know, it's looking behind the curtain and seeing Mr. Mr. Uh, the Wizard of Oz back there. You know, mm-hmm. That's thing. a very, very good way to put it. But undeterred, I will go to my second quote. Undeterred. Really- <laughs> Un- undeterred. 
<laughs> I am undeterred. I Go want for a it. movie, and nothing you guys say is going to change my mind. Well, I'd uh, like no so how after, much, no matter after how much quote. sense or reason you guys are presenting to me, mm-hmm. I will still, still, unreasonably defend this film. Yeah, we call that like radicalism, or you know, fanaticism, <laughs> or zealous. Hey, shut up. Okay. ISIS. <laughs> You are the horror movie ISIS, bro. <laughs> so after your quote, I'd like to I, I would like to hear one one thing that you like about this movie. Not just horror movies in general, but you didn't you didn't put in what you thought was oh, was positive. Okay. So okay. I, I would like to hear what you what okay. you thought was All right. Fair enough. After Fair your enough. quote. All right. So the quote is is when Heather goes in to identify her husband's remains. And she sees the result of his accident, and she ends up throwing up. Which, as a note, in 1994, I don't remember a lot of movies showing people visibly vomiting. Which struck out. That's not a detail I was paying attention to, so I I have nothing to say on that. (laughs) Don't ask me why I was paying attention. I could be wrong. Chris has got a vomit counter somewhere. Hey, hey, don't mock my fetishes, okay? He's, he's putting lipstick on right, right <laughs> down. Like that Adam Sandler movie, writing yeah. down when, when people puke in a 90s movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Anyway, sorry, we didn't but even get to the quote. Yeah, get to your, get to your <laughs> When she's all freaking out and everything in the corner. Uh, yeah, he's talking about. He's like, that's why we don't lift the the the, the blanket, the sheet. She passed the face. Like, yeah. yeah, that's why we don't lift the sheet past the face, especially with a really gruesome accident and all this stuff and whatnot. And he goes on to say, sometimes it's what we don't see that gets us through the night. So, I okay, go ahead, tear that one apart too, because there's a shitty placement, well, shitty scene. Let's let's rewind twenty seconds prior to that, right? <laughs> And right. when she's discovering the claw marks down his chest and the coroner and being in his most empathetic, sensitive mindset, I can imagine possible, giving that he's talking to a grieving widow right now, goes, oh, but the head's okay for the funeral. Yeah. <laughs> well, to be honest, as someone who has worked in that field, uh, yeah. that sense of jadedness actually does fucking happen. I'm not going to lie. It yeah, might, just... but would, would no, it no, 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 with... not it might. I've seen it. I've, I, again, okay. I, I yeah. used to work it, for a. I get board. it, right? I understand, but would it happen with the body's wife or spouse well, right there? Well, if you're because... gonna bring in logic, reason, and making sense into this oh. whole thing, it's 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 not gonna have as much weight and gravitas. Okay. Uh, I see. Got it. <laughs> yeah, I noted. did notice it. I did notice it was a little bit weird that you have like this. I don't know if it was a morgue or if it was a hospital or whatever. Uh, yeah, they made. They, that was one of my points. And she could just walk around like nothing. Well, screw your yeah, that past, was, man. That was one of my points. Yeah, yeah screw your past. Uh, okay. One of my yeah. points so I, they did. Sh- they did set it up to force that line in. They did. It, they did. But they, I still so, really like that line. James, as somebody that works in a hospital, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you have any experience with the part where the dead people are. 
Uh, well, I, just I, I walk of, by it every day. Do they just kind of have random dead people like hanging out in the hallway with like blinking shitty lights and you know? Not usually because you know um, the human body is really disgusting and it's full of bacteria. So if you're not chilling it and treating it as an infection control point, it's gonna get really nasty. So maybe in like really crappy third world country slash Detroit hospitals, they might. Oh, slash but Detroit. But not Hollywood hospitals? You know. not, no, speci- especially, specifically in Hollywood because these are all actors, right? So that's probably right. a high-dollar Malibu quality, you know, Jennifer Aniston's getting her milk breath taken care of two floors up. <laughs> Bringing it back around. I like it. I like it. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't see them leaving bodies lying around with toe tags hanging out and stuff <laughs> yeah that was kind of so, ridic- ridiculous thing there. like what is yeah. this man so to retract a bit and answer your question scott yes let's address that i did and and i and i have said it before but i did like the way they blurred lines fiction and reality as a huge mm. fan of nightmare on elm street and horror in general west craven and a lot of the people involved in making this movie I got a lot of the in jokes and little nudges and winks that really made this movie enjoyable and sort of masked its deficiencies. Okay. You know, like like they used a lot of the things that were going on in the world at that time. Well, not in the world, but I should say California, Los Angeles specifically. Like this movie wrapped I think it was about like two or three weeks after the nineteen ninety four Los I think Angeles it was before. earthquake. I thought it was before the earthquake. Either way, like right around that time. And one of the things that they did was they sent crews out to film, you know, locations and scenes of damage and stuff from the, the ninety four LA earthquake to put into the movie. To make it, you know, a little bit more realistic, and that's where the the earthquakes came into play. You know, in 1994, California was really paranoid about earthquakes because we just had the San Francisco quake of '89, you know, and then, you know, the the LA quake of '94, that was kind of a big deal at the time. So they used things like that. Right. You notice when Heather was talking to, I think it, I, I think it was, um, I don't remember who she was talking to, but someone mentioned that sting from the police when he had a stalker all he could think of was the stalker he thought that the stalker was constantly in his house and this and that and all that well that was a big thing as pop culture in general in 1994 hadn't really touched on the darker side of fanaticism and being and celebrity culture and all of that so when this movie came out you know and you do kind of have to take it in context there were a lot of current trends that it was touching on and pulling off of and you know like i said the fact that heather langenkamp did marry a special effects guy and all the people involved had made the original movie so i kind of picked up on that too um you know i was i was only like 11 at the time so i wasn't really paying right. attention to right. current events that were taking place but i'm i'm sure cuz it has been since 
and it's been a few times before. The whole violence in movies and exposing children to this stuff, that seems to be a, an underlying theme throughout this film. Right. You know, right. Do you let your kid watch your horror movies? And then the nurse or the doctor, wherever the, the hell doctor, she was. Yeah. Gosh, she was so annoying. Like, you did expose Bad. your child to these horror movies. You know, So they're Terrible. trying to like play off this whole, hey, don't let your kids watch violent movies because they might turn into Freddy Krueger rejects or something, you know. Well, and um, that argument's always bothered me because yeah, as a kid who grew up playing Mortal Kombat and Doom and all this stuff, I don't consider myself a violent person. And my counter to that argument is, well, Hitler never played a single video game in his life. So, I mean, come on now. <laughs> yeah. Put two and two together. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to be the Pink Panther to figure that one out. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> so, but I noticed that was a theme in this movie. Was there oh, of definitely. course it was because yeah. – you know, as Freddy Krueger, he became the jokey horror right. icon, and kids knew him. You said yourself, Scott, you said yourself, you were kids, but you still knew who Freddy Krueger was. Oh, yeah, dude. And it, you uh, didn't because... have to see the movies to know who he was. Well, I saw the first one, and that was enough. Like, I, to this oh, day, I'm not, yeah. fan, I'm not a fan of horror movies because of that experience. Like, I really? Literally, yeah. It tortured me, man. I literally did not want to go to sleep for like a week. See, and, and that's the thing is because I was tortured by that movie is why I got hooked on horror. Really? Wow. Hell yeah. Maybe I'm just a uh, – hey, James, if you psychoanalyze me, we're going to have words. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about these words. How do they, how do these words make you feel? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So so we, we, we talked about initial impressions. We talked about – what we did like about the movie now here let's open the floodgates james yeah what's up let's get into specific stuff what didn't you like about the movie all right specifics first off let me start with this ironic thought that i had and slash struggle as well uh here's a movie a series of movies and this is kind of the cap right to the series of movies where the premise is if you fall asleep bad things are going to happen to you because your nightmares are going to come alive and you can be killed in your dream and all this stuff. So ironically for a movie that preaches don't fall asleep, I had a really hard time staying awake in this film. (laughs) (laughs) A really hard time. Wow. I was legit. I was like laying out on the couch watching it, caught myself dozing. My wife's like, are you sleeping? You're supposed to be watching this for your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Do your job. (laughs) Yeah. I had to like sit up and (laughs) yeah. Um, Yeah. Let's just leave with that. The pacing sucks. It was so hard for me to want to get involved because I was just like, this is so boring. It felt slow. It felt forced. Like every little thing that, like I said, I felt like he was just trying to be too innovative because everything they were trying to put in felt so intentional and forced and there was just nothing natural about the pacing of the film and it just really turned me off because i just i wasn't invested at that point i just Mm -hmm. i felt like i was being slapped in the face constantly with this this new premise or this new theme and i'm just like yeah this is dumb i'm I'm not interested yeah and as i mentioned before if you're not a huge fan of the series you're not getting all the little in jokes and stuff to mask the poor pacing yeah yeah i yeah and you know and for being an actress that's playing an actress i felt like she couldn't act like her lines felt forced and her emotion was just she can do fear well but if i have police officer show up to my door and tell me that my spouse just died 
I'm gonna be crushed and devastated, man. Like she couldn't even force like fake force a tear out. And it just it upset me that there was not very much emotion in, in her performance. Which and then some of the other actors just I don't know. Well, they weren't actors though, that was the thing. They're actually exactly. like, executives and producers. Yeah, they're all directors the playing little, themselves the, and the little kid took it home though. I liked it. I liked him. Well yeah. To, to uh, a bit. Yeah. Also if you'll Relatively notice, speaking. also it, uh, Miko Hughes was also in Pet Cemetery. Right. He was the little kid in Pet Cemetery. Yeah, yeah he so did a he, lot of he, stuff. He, yeah, he did a lot of stuff as a little kid. It's not a typical... Yeah. I almost said boys have a vagina. Wow. <laughs> From Kindergarten Cop. What? Only absolutely twisted. Yeah, he was the little kid that stood up on Kindergarten Cop and said boys have a penis and girls have a vagina. Oh, well, yeah, I just heard vagina. So. That's why I made the, it's not a tumor. Yeah, 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 exactly. But, uh, you know. Yeah, so some of the characters just bothered me. Like, the doctor, the doctor is really annoying me. Because, um, you know, working, like you said, in a hospital and working in the psychology field. I'm not a doctor, you know, but I work in the psychology field. Uh, PCMs or regular physicians, they can touch minorly on um you know psychotherapy issues but this doctor's like trying to yeah. freaking diagnose the kid with early onset schizophrenia and all this stuff and it's like mm, no that's definitely not your realm lady like you would put in a referral for that and you would monitor for safety you would not be kidnapping the child threatening to send him off the foster care right, right, as well right. as like in prison the, the mom like that's definitely not your realm or your scope of practice so that you know yeah. that, that bothered me and wasn't that limo driver needlessly creepy, oh fucking weird? There's always a rapey he, yeah. one, man. Rapey <laughs> At first, one. I thought he was really rapey and creepy, and then I was like, oh, crazy fucking fan. And I was like, really? shit, he's yeah. me if I drove a limo. He's a, yeah, he was, yeah, he was the rapey one, yeah. and oh, I thought he was going to come back. Thanks. I thought he was going to come back. I thought he was going to come back and do something <laughs> I know. in the film. Really because it was like, it was like some... going to be more than he was. Yeah, there was some foreshadowing there that... I picked up on, but uh, again, never came to fruition. Just like you know, the Rex dinosaur, and it, yeah. you know, missed opportunities, man. Again, yeah, I would have loved to get a whole explanation as to how the Rex was protecting Dylan. Um, you know, because I'm thinking like, oh man, maybe this thing's like, because you know, Jurassic Park just came out like what a year, two years before that. So maybe you know, since they are actors and they're in the film industry and this and that. Maybe the kid saw Jurassic Park, and so in his dream, like, this Rex is coming to life and is actually a real legit Rex, and it's protecting him or something, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it would have yeah. been a little cheesy to have a, a fight between Freddy Krueger and a dinosaur, but hell, it would have kept me entertained, and probably I would have been able to stay awake. <laughs> See, and, and that's the thing. I want to tell you you're wrong. Yeah. I want to say you're just being a dick. Yeah. But god damn it, you're making good points and you're right. But I so, don't care. I still the, love the you. final the final one that I'll touch on and I'll let Scott take over so I'm not monopolizing everything here <laughs> is um the tongue sequence. Well the whole ending for so <laughs> and I already ta- I already I already talked about like the whole, you know, staying true with Canton and all that. If Freddy Krueger is this evil entity that's ancient and demonic and all this stuff, dude, he's not going to struggle to fit through a furnace to kill a kid. 
he's not gonna you know take his time doing this stuff if he's and that's the thing that bothered me is people are like oh freddy's down to business this time he's all about killing bullshit he's getting his ass kicked by a housewife that's been like almost ran over or she did get run over you know yeah. like yeah. she's an actress so she's never really had to do a real job so it's not like she's like this physically impressive specimen you know that's had to go through hardships in her life she's she's an actress and she's kicking your ass you ancient demonic evil force like come on now and then that tongue sequence bro and i found out i found out it took them two days to film that they wasted yeah. so much money so much time effort for something that was just atrocious and stupid and uh, two days really. out of care out of curiosity yeah. why why did it do you, i don't know did you read that's why? just what i was reading that that scene took two days to film huh. yeah because okay. so much of this movie was practical effects right uh, I yeah there's people like the, doing puppeteering and stuff like that right. yeah yeah okay uh, that makes sense to, to further your point the body count in this movie four which is the same as the first movie to be fair though yeah but the first movie wasn't trying to be some weird creepy cerebral right and that's the thing is i i i felt that you know i'm, I'm glad you brought that up because i felt like freddie didn't get enough kill time like well, and yeah, I, you know exactly that's that's what you mentioned you said freddie's supposed to be down to business but he's his ass beat by housewives well yeah, yeah so he, he and, and no offense to housewives but you know i'm like he's a demonic killer he's probably gonna whoop up on you but um you know but i had to i had to do some research on the first film and the body count was the same and freddy krueger only had seven minutes of screen screen time in the first film but i felt that the quality of screen time versus this like it was just different freddy felt scary i was legit scared of him i still go back and watch the original and it's creepy man like it's it's a scary i can actually put myself in their position and i can be scared this one not so much and his stupid trench coat. And to see that that was an actual purposeful thing by Wes Craven. It specifically says Wes Craven wanted to give Freddy an updated wardrobe. Get the out of here, dude. Really? You're going to put a trench coat on this guy? Man. Now you I just mean, look like that really creepy neck beard that wears a yeah. fedora and a trench coat. Say, says my lady and shit. Like, Wait, he's I, already got a fedora. I think, I think you just described half of my friends. Yeah, well... <laughs> Watch out, yeah, they yeah. might be ancient demonic dudes that could get punched in the face. Believe me, they're not. They're not. They can't even get up so. before 1 p.m. <laughs> that's, that's all they're, I got, man. They're I, not. I, you know, they're, they're not I, could, I could rip on this film for hours, but yeah, it's, it's unnecessary. Um, yeah. I, I, I can't disagree. You know, all the things that you said are kind of like shining a light on the blotches and the blemishes on this movie. So I get it. I get it. One of the big things that I thought was a negative to this was the music. There were times where the music was just so overdone. That's what I have written down as well. Wasn't yeah. there like a, a, a point where there was like clown music playing over the instrumental score as well? I don't even know, man. Like, I, I think when he was in the furnace and the tongue, it was when the tongue thing was going on. They had like it sounded oh. like, like clown, like circus music, as yes. well as like this horror score playing, like, like mixed yeah. together. Yeah. I picked up on like this weird like folk music sound, uh, it, it, along with like you know the horror violin stuff. Oh, yeah, that it was really uh, t it took me out of that scene. Not, not I mean, the yeah. tongue took me out of the scene, but 
Uh, so the stuff that I didn't like was along the same lines as you, James. The the detachment from reality with things like the the little boy Dylan. He just up and sleepwalks out of a, a hospital from pediatric right. intensive care. He just walks out of the hospital, and nobody nobody picks up on this um, at all, right? Uh, that's that stuff in, in a film that is trying to be based on reality with the earthquakes and you know actors playing themselves. They didn't they didn't do jack shit for actual research uh, as far right. as you know that kind of stuff went. And it was just like, eh, you know, it took me out so much. It took me out so much. Uh, along uh, along the same lines of you know there's this ancient demonic dude getting his ass kicked by a housewife. He can During... literally manifest himself in the sky and carry a kid across a highway. Uh, dude, uh, you, yeah. you stole my, you stole that. that was, my end Uh-oh. statement was gonna be, Uh-oh. why I'm did sorry. I just, dis- why did I dislike this movie? Freddy Krueger in the clouds, because that was the yeah. most ridiculous, freaking thing. Oh my gosh, when that happened, I, w- I cracked up laughing, and that yeah. was not supposed to be funny at all. Yeah. That's yeah. how I was with the tongue scene. I just I just threw my hands up and I was like, "This is what we're doing now." <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, "What is yeah. this madness?" But uh, so he when when they're down in the hell or wherever they are, purgatory, wherever it is, they he is literally like disappearing and reappearing in different places. You know, he, right. on the freeway, there's about two hundred of them on the side of the freeway looking at this kid. Uh, you know, as his mom gets ran over. Well, why, why can't he just go into this furnace? Like, what, what? yeah, there's no explanation. Like, you know, and it's again, it's missed opportunity. I think because maybe you know, maybe that's the ancient furnace of plus nine thousand Freddy protection. <laughs> I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, maybe there's something there, right? It was uh that that's where he was born or something, and his mother's blood is still there, so that he can't cross the threshold. You know. I don't know. Come up with something, uh, and you don't really have to expound on it very much either. You just come up with something, please. But there was nothing, none of that stuff. It, it was just kind of disjointed and missed opportunity. Um, yeah, it, it bothered me that he was succumbing to physical pain. You know, yeah, like, yeah, he gets stabbed. Yeah, you know, a stab in the leg, a punch in the mouth is enough, and then the getting stabbed in the eye with an eel. Oh, I don't even yes. talk about the physics behind that. But yeah, just... I was like, what is that? <laughs> like, what is that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so all, all of those things in a, in a film that wanted to concentrate on reality so much, just, uh, it just it didn't work. But, right. I mean, I don't know. At the same time, I can still – I can appreciate it because it, the film – it took me back to my childhood. And I think the, the movie itself – I didn't like, but I like the idea of it. I like the idea, and I like what they wanted to do, just because of the uh, the era that it was filmed in, and it, like I said, it brought me back to my childhood. Right. Yeah, you know, and the problem that I've always had with Freddy Krueger films is it takes place in your dream slash nightmare, and in the in the like the original film series, which I you know I understand that this isn't really technically in the same universe because freddy's fiction in this universe but going back to the original films he gets his fuel from fear right if no one's talking about freddy krueger then freddy krueger can't hurt you but if he infiltrates somebody's dream and gets them afraid and then they start sharing this this fear with somebody else then 
he he grows in power and strength and stuff. Um, at the same time, though, like they they find this out, and that's how they defeat him. Is oh, you don't have power of me. I'm not afraid of you. And they start like changing the rules in their dream. So, you know, I'm just like, well, if that's the case. Like, hey, Freddy, I'm a Jedi, and you're a two foot tall, fucking Oompa Loompa, and. <laughs> Bye, Felicia. You know what I mean? <laughs> Bye, Felicia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, it, it, yeah, it's that's the the problem that I felt like they kind of I don't want to say wrote themselves into a corner, but you know when you set up a huge glaring weakness like that, that the strength of your antagonist is solely on the imagination of the protagonist. Like, come on now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kind of a, a weak plot, man. Uh, uh, yeah. So anyway. Yeah. We could, like I said, we could rip this thing apart for hours. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. We we could we could. It's not as bad as Dead Silence, though. I will say that. No, yes, de- absolutely not as bad. Not even close. This is, this is an improvement. On it. This yeah. Piece, um, piece of shit smells way 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 better. Yeah. I'll what you got? What you got, Chris? What's final thoughts? What we got? Me? Oh, final thoughts. I still love this movie. Yeah. But I think in listening to what both of you have to say about it, it's very obvious that this is a movie for Nightmare fans done by Nightmare fans. So as a Nightmare fan, I enjoyed so many aspects of it. But yeah, I don't think it holds up well and I don't it didn't age very well at all. That's an interesting point because I was wondering that myself. And Scott, you know, we've talked about this where you said, oh, I don't go back and I don't watch like Under Siege and like, you know, the action flicks from the early 90s, late 80s, stuff like that. Because you're afraid that they won't hold up and they won't be as cool as you remember them. And that's why I was wondering if that's what was happening with this film. Because I enjoyed it, I feel like, when I first saw it when I was like a 11 or 12 year old kid, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but now. Yeah, I wonder if it's just that it just didn't hold up, you know, it didn't carry over with the times or something. It might be. It might be. There are very few films that do that. Uh, you know, like yeah. Goonies, Gremlins, the, the, the classics. Jaws. Are the only ones that, yeah, the only ones that do that. But, uh, man, I don't know. I, I stopped doing that a long time ago because I, I watched, uh, after I had kids, you know, I started watching uh, a lot of these older movies going, you know, this is really cool. And right. I would watch it. <laughs> And go, oh, it's not it's, cool. It's not that cool. Yeah, it's not that cool. That's not cool, man. Like, oh, so I, you know, I literally, I stopped doing it. You know, oh. I won't watch the Snorks. <laughs> I won't watch Gummy Bears, you know, He-Man, none of that stuff. Because in my head, all those things are cool. And I want them to stay that way. That's, I can understand that. I can understand Yeah. That. I'm, yeah, for sure, man. I don't have anything else to say. I felt like I pretty much put it all out there on this one. Did you um? Are you gonna are you gonna be a buy, Chris? A buy, a rent, or a burn? Me? I already bought yeah. this movie. I already oh, own damn. it. So okay. you already know my my stance on this movie. Nothing you guys can say is gonna make me not love this movie. I figured. Right. I mean, I figured you say that. So, I'd say it's worth. I'd say it's worth a rent. It's worth I would a rent agree. If you could, yeah, if you can get it in a red box for a buck, give it a shot. Uh, if you're, especially if you're a horror fan, if you're not a horror fan, I don't know. You might, you might as well. Yeah, and I just, available I feel on... like it's, go ahead, Chris, I'm sorry. I was going to say, it's actually available on Netflix, so if you haven't yeah. seen it already, go see it. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
So I, I agree. It's 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 rent worthy, or at least see it. You know, um, I I can respect staples in a genre, and I feel like Freddy Krueger is definitely a staple in the horror genre, regardless of how bad some of the movies are. I feel like you should at least watch them once just to kind of appreciate and respect what it did for the genre. Like Freddy Krueger definitely did set up the horror genre and kind of spurred on the slasher series in a different way than Jason and Halloween and all that stuff. Um, so I definitely would say at least watch it once. Uh, I would never buy it, but I don't think it's worth burning either. Like I said, I, I got to respect the legacy that is Freddy Krueger. Yeah, very true. Well, well said. Respect the legacy. That's a that's a very good point. Yeah. What are we watching next week, man? Yeah, what you got, man? All right. Give it to me. You guys Slap are gonna love face. this one. A Polish immigrant in New York who must provide for her ill sister soon right. falls under the thumb of a charming thug who forces prostitution. Uh oh. Two thousand thirteen's The Immigrant. Starring Marion Cotillard? 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 Okay, Cotillard. Yeah, Cotillard. Joaquin Phoenix and Jeremy oh, Renner. Nice. Oh, this is some strong actors, man. I'm, yeah. They are. They are. Yeah. I've never heard of it. Have you guys heard of this? I have never heard of this movie before at all. I remember the like when it came out, like you know, hearing about it when it released, um, but I haven't actually seen it. Yeah, very interesting. I, I'm a huge fan of Walking Phoenix. So yeah, me too. Um, it's the period piece, though, Chris. Right. 1921, oh. right? Mm-hmm. So this is this is actually curious, or slash interesting to me on another level because, um, you know, current events, news, all that stuff tend to, especially being as we're Americans, tends to always focus outside of the United States unless something crazy is happening, but sex trafficking slash sex slavery is actually really big in the United States. Um, it's just, it's so underground and not very well known. There was a documentary that was being made. I never followed up on it if it got finished where they were actually trying to like kind of break into the stuff that was going on, you know, cause prostitution is pretty big in the United States. I mean, it's legal, like what outside the city limits in Vegas or something like that. And you know, it's so, it's just interesting that, they're going back to like the twenties to explore this one. Like this shit's still going on today, man. <laughs> right, right. I think this going one should back. be interesting. It has a six point six rating on IMDb, which right. largely the be all end all, but I mean, hey, a lot of people apparently liked it and it's it's got a pretty stellar cast, so I'm pretty curious to see what we're gonna get into. Yeah. It's you know, it's a drama, it's a romance, um, it's a period piece, so why am I not I'm surprised interested. that you're familiar with this movie? I haven't seen it. You know, I'm just, I remember the release. I like dramas. I, like I said, I'm all about character development and making I'm me all, interested in the characters. I'm all about seeing slutty teen chicks getting slaughtered in like, <laughs> yeah, apparently. remote cabins and shit. So. Apparently. <laughs> so, I don't know, man. Uh, you think I've heard of this movie? No, I haven't. <laughs> Nah, but it's got, yeah. it's got freaking Hawkeye in it. Come on. <laughs> yeah, hey, I'm okay with that. Does he have a bow? And does he like yeah. shoot people with it? He doesn't even have a bow in the in the uh, movies, man. That's all CG. I don't care. It's I'm just I'm just saying it's really I funny that in the in the Avengers they shoot CG. Yeah. <laughs> um. 
So, uh, one little tidbit before we wrap up, I just uh, and I know it's kind of implied, but I just want to remind uh, the listeners that you know, hey, we're going to watch The Immigrant. So if you guys can watch it before the next episode, the next episode's a lot more enjoyable. If you've actually seen the film that we're talking about, yeah. You uh, you want to give a shout out to our our first very first Patreon. Oh yes, uh, my buddy. Oh. Matt, yes, thank you for your support, brother. Um, it's a good jumping point, and you know, hopefully, it's the sign of more things to come, so that we can keep popping out some some decent content, and we can improve upon our our process here. Because um, you know, we're just starting out, and we're learning as we go. So, I think yeah, that's absolutely. pretty obvious. Yeah, the, the continued support <laughs> will definitely allow us to to bring a more polished products here i don't want to say professional because i don't ever think we'll reach that level <laughs> yeah we're not that good <laughs> but it will it will be more polished <laughs> and uh, hopefully always, yeah yeah and i think always, it's part of our charm though so of course of course and as always don't forget to follow us on twitter at seven nerdly sins that's seven the number seven nerdly sins you can find us on instagram and youtube with the day late gamer channel as well as twitch with the channels of Slain and Zoso, that's Scott and James, respectively. For Scott. Yes, sorry, I was <laughs> typing. <laughs> so, for Scott, James, and myself, Chris, we'd like to say, have a good day. Yeah, man, check out the website, sevenearlysins.com. Yep. Good night, guys. Appreciate it. Have a good night. Yeah.